This is Amy Poehler. My new movie, Disney and Pixar's Inside Out 2, is coming to theaters June 14th, and it's making me feel joy and sadness and anger. Definitely some disgust. Rose! And I think a little fear. But I'm also feeling these new emotions like anxiety, embarrassment, envy, and ennui. It's what you call the boredom. Okay, that one was weird. It's going to be the feel-everything movie of the summer. Disney and Pixar's Inside Out 2. Rated PG. Parental guidance suggested. Only in theaters June 14. Get tickets now. It's the Sunday Showcase on the Mutual Audio Network. The following audio drama is rated PG for parental guidance recommended. Good evening. I'm Larry Groby with the Generic Radio Workshop, welcoming your to Project Orion with this cheap imitation of Peter Rory. <laughs> What more can I say? Uh, Peter Laurie is one of those actors with such a distinctive voice and presence that even now, 60 years after his death, he's the rare character that's still recognized, even by people who don't watch black and white movies or horror films or have never even seen Casablanca. Born Laszlo Lowenstein in Hungary, he started his movie career in Germany with director Fritz Lang in the 1931 movie M, as a child killer. Still a terrific, creepy, unforgettable performance. And then he was all over Hollywood for decades, managing to be distinctive in most any part, and quickly caricatured. It's curious that with that voice that Peter Laurie didn't do more audio dramas on the radio. He did front the Mole Mystery Theater for a while, and, and then in 1947, he both hosted and starred in Mystery in the Air. Now, this radio series was only a summer replacement show, so there were only 17 episodes, and only eight exist as recordings. So we thought we'd create a new Mystery in the Air script. That's uh, the challenge Pete Lutz took on. His script's perhaps a bit more lighthearted than most of the surviving shows, but there is a supernatural theme at the core of the story. Oh, and just like 1947, we have several commercials from the original series sponsors, Camel Cigarettes. Now, there was another sinister show that used to say back then that they hoped they would oh, thrill you a little and chill you a little. And that applies perfectly to this tribute episode of Mystery in the Air. Our Coast to Coast cast is ready to perform this recreation in one live take, just like they did back in 1947. So, settle in, because I sense there's a, a certain uh, <laughs> mystery in the air. Yes, there is, isn't there? <laughs> That's right, folks. It's C for chills, A for air, M for mystery, E for entertainment, and L for lorry. Put them all together, and what do they spell? Camels. Mystery in the Air, starring Peter Lorre, presented by Camel Cigarettes.
Good evening. This is Peter Lorre, bringing you another presentation of Mystery in the Air. Tonight, I'm playing a magician who wants to be not only world famous, but a true magician, not just an illusionist. Do you understand the difference? <laughs> well, if not, you soon will. Tonight's play is called Nice Girls Aren't Found in Trunks, and it was written by Mr. Z. Peter Tull. The events take place before the Second World War. We'll begin shortly, but now I think our announcer wants to deliver a special message for you from our sponsor, Mr. Roy. Thank you, Mr. Laurie. This is Michael Roy for Camel Cigarettes. Experience is the best teacher. Try a camel. Let your own experience tell you why more people are smoking camels than ever before. Try a camel. On your T-zone, that's T for taste, T for throat. See, if you don't say, like so many other smokers, camels suit my T-zone to a T. And now, Mystery in the Air. Nice girls aren't found in trunks. Starring Peter Lorre with special guest star, Boris Karloff. <laughs> is Elena Glovnia. My husband is the great Glovnia. Maybe you've heard of him? He's a famous magician, but it wasn't always so. My Slovomir had to do some pretty strange things in order to get where he is today. Things that I think did some damage to his soul. Ah, I'll tell you about it. Back about ten years ago, uh, 1930, I think it was, Slovomir and his first wife... Oh, didn't I tell you? I'm his fourth. The others all... Well, you'll find out. Just stay with me, you'll find out. So Slovomir and Davita, his first wife, were playing to tiny crowds in flea trap theaters, elks clubs and such, out in the sticks. On this particular night I'm talking about, the great Glovnia did not have a good night. His final illusion completely fell apart and he embarrassed himself on the stage. Afterwards, as he always did, he blamed Davita for his own failures. Why can't you pay attention? You know that for American Legion Lodges, I pulled the red, white, and blue silks out of my sleeves, but you loaded the orange, white, and green as if we were at the Sons of Erin. I loaded the red, white, and blue, but you put on the wrong evening coat. You must have given me the wrong coat to put on. Gah! It's as if you want to hold me back. Do you want to see me fail? What? Do you think I like the thought of being married to a failure? <sighs> Slovomir. Listen, a success I want to see you become. It's my job to help you, but you need to let me. Uh, yes, you're right. It was my fault. I was in a hurry and, and didn't pay attention to which coat I grabbed. It could happen to anybody. Uh, someday, Davita, I'll find it, you know? The real Gilhuli. The one big trick that'll set me apart from all the others. Then we'll have it made. And I will help you, my love. I don't know how yet, but don't worry. 
I know in my heart that my destiny is to help you become the most famous magician in the world. Well, until it comes, let you and I clean up and get back to our hotel room, eh? I'm starving and I could use a drink. Uh, vodka, neat, and a glass of water, please. Yes, sir. Excuse me, is this stool taken? Hmm? Oh, no, please. Thank you. Uh, just water, please, no ice. Thank you. <coughs> yes, sir. Uh, that's two bits, sir. Thanks. Keep the change. Thank you. Here's how. Hmm? What? Oh! Oh, yes. <laughs> Here's how. Ah. Another, please? You look familiar to me. Aren't you the great Glovnia? Yes. I saw your show last night at the American Legion. It was very good. Oh, I'm glad you enjoyed it. Good thing you saw it last night and not tonight. Oh, yes, I've seen her act many times in many cities. You have? Oh, yes. Salt Lake City, Denver, Chicago, Dallas. My word. Another? Mr. Glovenier, I see great potential in you. Yes, my friend, I believe you are destined for enormous fame. Oh, you, you sound like my wife. <laughs> well, we all eat our wives when it comes to success. W what was that? I said we all need our wives when it comes to success. Oh, funny. I thought you said something else. Mr. Glovnia, I have a gift for you. Hmm? Was that a gift? Yes, a very great gift. I've written it on this slip of paper. It's the key to your destiny, Mr. Glovnia. No, please don't read it until after I'm gone. If you choose to follow these simple instructions, you will indeed discover your real Gilhuli and become the kind of magician you aspire to be. Fame, wealth, prestige, all will be yours. And now, farewell. It was very pleasant, sir, to make your acquaintance. Yes, yes, farewell. Goodbye. <laughs> Who was that fool? And what foolishness has he written on his paper, eh? Huh? What? What? What's the matter? Just as I say, for the past week you have been cold, distant. Slovomir, you are breaking my heart. Why do you treat me this way? Ah, oh, my dear, I apologize. I have had a great deal on my mind. Listen, the other day a man came up to me and said he had a great gift for me. A great gift? 
Oh, Slovomir, what was it? Tell me. He told me that this is the secret to great success. All I had to do was follow it to the letter. But I'm I'm so nervous about it. I I, I How I, bad can it be? For great success, for fame and wealth, wouldn't you be willing to do anything for me? Everything? <laughs> Please present the great Glovnia. Ladies and gentlemen, we are extremely pleased to present the great Glovnia. them eating out of your hands. <laughs> <laughs> but only because of the way you... <gasps> oh. Slovimir, what is it? Oh. Hello. What are you two doing in here? Slovimir, do you know these men? Of course not. I've never seen them in my life. The name's Mana. This slovenly fellow here is my partner. Mr. Walken. Hiya. Sorry to barge into your dressing room this way, but we got a few questions for you, Mr. Great. Amana. Uh, that's not his name. It's... What? Not part of his... Ain't he the Great Glovenik? Glovenik, uh, yeah, but... So what did I say? You called him Mr. Great. Yeah? So? It's not as if Great is his first name or something. Well, it just so happens, Mr. Walken, that I can't say Glovenik, all right? Glovnia. That's what I said. Uh, I don't know. Uh, uh, gentlemen, what is it you want? Few questions we want to ask you. In private. Can uh, Mrs. Glovenik leave for a few minutes? Are you men police? Something like that. Mrs. Glovnia, will you please give us a few minutes with your husband? Slovomir? Oh. Uh, 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 go ahead, darling. Change in the other dressing room. I won't be long, and then we can go to supper. All right. All right, gentlemen. I'll appreciate it if you keep this short. I'm a very busy man. You say you're something like police? What does that mean exactly? Uh, I'm retired from the New York force. A lieutenant. And I'm a licensed private investigator. Well, I'm a big supporter of the police, gentlemen. What is it you want? Free passes to my next show? Uh, not exactly, sir. We... What are you serving him for, Walken? This guy's a punk. Mana. Sit down, punk. We got questions. Mana. And you better be straight with us, because I'm Mana. a... Mana! Go easy on the guy, okay? Mr. Glovnia, we're paranormal investigators. 
Your what? We look into cases involving eh, supernatural phenomena. I'm afraid I don't know what that means. It means what happened to your first wife, Davida, and your second wife, Charlotte, and your third... What was her name? Judith. Judith. Where are they, Globin Hooper? Talk! I apologize for my partner's lack of manners, Mr. Globnia. Oh, that's perfectly all right. Gentlemen, I'll be happy to tell you the same thing I've told the police going back to 1930. My first wife, Devita, I'm sorry to say, I wasn't very nice to her. She left me after a very bad argument. As for Charlotte, well, she said she was going home to visit her mother, and I never heard from her again. Now, Judith, that was very sad. She passed away following a prolonged illness. That was in 1938. <sighs> and you married your current wife last year? Yes, almost a year ago, exactly. I had promised for our anniversary to take Elena on an ocean voyage. But what with this strife over in Europe, I think we'll go to the Grand Canyon instead. That's all you have to say on the matter, Glove Tingle? Yes, Lieutenant. That's all I have to say. If you have any other questions, you may, of course, consult my attorney. And now I must say good night, gentlemen. Thanks, Mr. Glovenia. Okay. We'll leave Glovenheimer. But remember, we'll keep an eye on you. One false move and... Come on, let's get out of here. That smug punk! Walken, I'd like to go back in there and smack his smug face into some other shit. You know, your NYPD methods ain't gonna work on this guy, so calm down. Well, what do you suggest then? Well, let's head to a phone and get Sally on the job. I just remembered something. Do tell. It just popped into my head. The shoe manufacturer whose wife mysteriously died and his business doubled almost overnight, remember? Back in 1925, they think. Yeah, vaguely. Suddenly, nobody could get enough of his shoes. That's him. Yeah, it's coming back to me now. But did he have a lot of wives and ex-wives, too? Nope. He sold his factory to another company and died a year later. Hot failure, I think. But to me, his story stinks. He did something to his wife, and her death brought success. And you think the same thing is happening with this uh, Glaventable? That's what we were hired to find out. <sighs> Alrighty then. Let's call our trusty young researcher. Slovamir, who were those men? Uh, <laughs> nobody important, my dear. They, they were here, yes, they were here to... Deliver a message from, from a friend. Yes, an old friend of mine who has helped me with my career from time to time. I think he is planning to come to a future performance, and they... They wanted to let me know. Oh, how marvelous. Why haven't you told me about this friend before? Hmm? Oh, well, you know how these things go, my dear. I haven't seen him since before I met you, and we've been so busy moving from town to town that... Well, well I'm 
want to meet this mystery man, and if he has been helpful to you, I want to show my appreciation. Is that all right? All right. It's perfect. Yes, absolutely perfect. <laughs> <laughs> after that strange visit from the two men, my Slovomir's act started giving him problems. After one particular bad night, half the house walked out in anger, and the manager came out to our dressing room. He put his fat face in front of my Slovomir and said, if you have one more night like this, I won't pay you. Bah! I asked Slovomir if there was anything I could do, but he lost his temper and said it was all my fault. I wanted to cry, but instead I yelled back. <laughs> my Slovomir just put his hands over his ears and ran out. Then, after a little while, my heart softened and I wanted to do something nice for him after the yelling I'd made. So I started to pick up his things and put them into his trunk. But inside, I see for the first time three big mason jars standing at the bottom. What were these jars, I asked myself, and so full of dust? Hello? Can you boys hear me all right? Yeah, Sally, uh, both Mona and I are listening. Shove over a little. Hey, did you have to find the smallest phone booth in the city? Hey, just move over. Clam up. I can't hear. What'd you say, Sally? Your hunch about the shoemaker and this magician? <laughs> the great Glovanowski. Well, it was a good hunch. They had some parallels. I went to the library's newspaper files, and I found a number of articles on this Glovnia. Reviews and such. I mean, over the years, he's had his ups and downs career-wise. Mostly downs. But then in 1930, he had an upswing that lasted quite a while. Maybe four years, and then a downturn, and then an upswing, etc. Did these articles mention his wife or wives? What was the parallel with the shoe guy? Hold on, Lieutenant Marner. Yeah, Uncle Busy. I tracked a total of four wives between 1930 and this year. And here's the funny thing. Like, a few weeks before each upswing, there's this story about Glovnia's wife disappearing. Or in the case of the third one, dying. And then there's this new wedding notice, and then his career is like hotcakes again. It's just like we thought, Mana. Oh, and to answer your question, Lieutenant, I confirmed that the shoemaker's factory was just about to go under. But after his wife passed away, his business started going like gangbusters. Does it tie in with anything supernatural that you know of? Yeah. yeah. Well, you know me, boss. This stuff is like toast and jam to me. You got a pencil? Yeah, but I ain't got room in this sardine tin to write it. What? Uh, never mind. Just tell us. Teolo Kwani. Gesundheit. What's a Teolokwani, Sally? A soul eater. A what? A what? Yeah, that's from Mayan mythology. Or you might try Amit in ancient Egypt or similar types in Chinese cultures, and then there's this traditional African culture. Well, uh, and thank you, Sally. Now, why would a soul eater be involved with our magician? Would he, or it, be happy with just one woman every few years? 
The legend says that one soul eater might make deals with up to hundreds of people. It could travel the world collecting them. Huh, hungry. No kidding. Uh, Sally, what does a soul eater look like? Anything. Huh? According to the legends, they're shapeshifters. They can look like a human, they can look like an animal, a bird, an octopus, even, maybe. Well, I'll be darned. Deposit one dollar and thirty-five cents for three more minutes. Sally, we gotta go. Can you sign the- Already oh, got a courier picking up, Unc. And you have it day after tomorrow. Thanks, kid. Deposit one dollar and thirty-five cents for three more minutes. Oh, yeah, that's it. Oh. This info puts quite a spin on things, doesn't it? Yeah. What do you make of the shapeshifter jazz? Well, after our experiences with the vampires in New York and those zombies in the Sahara, I'm inclined to believe anything. Yeah. You hungry? They got a soda fountain here. I smell hamburgs and french fried potatoes. Yeah, I could eat. We can talk more about this after the papers get here from Sally, I guess. Oh, hi, cat. Aren't you pretty? Look, Mona, a black cat. Black cats are seven years bad luck. What's a cat doing in a drugstore anyway? Get out of here. <laughs> Ask any sports champ in any field what helped him most toward success, and he'll probably say... Experience is the best teacher in bronc riding and in smoking, too. The cigarette for me is camo. Yes, experience is the best teacher. That's bronco riding champ Jerry Ambler. Jerry has 18 years' experience riding broncs, and like thousands of other smokers, during the wartime cigarette shortage, tested numerous brands. With the experience that Jerry found, he learned that for rich, full flavor and cool mildness, the cigarette for him is Camel. As a result, more people are smoking Camels than ever before. Experience is the best teacher. Try a Camel yourself. I feel like we've been at this for days. Oh, any coffee left? A little bit. Here. Thanks. Oh, it's cold, but overcooked. Yeah, so it's got that going for it. Okay, so here's what I think we have so far. A soul eater. A telephone commie? A tail of Kiwani, yes. A soul leader must devour the souls of others in order to survive. The easiest way for it to do this is to recruit agents to bring the victims to it. But these agents don't do this work for nothing. Right. There's some kind of reward involved. Like, for instance, a successful business for the shoemaker and actual magical powers for the great Glovnia. But there's a limit attached. Yeah. The gift lasts only so long. 
And of course, the agent is addicted to the power or glory and keeps bringing victims to keep renewing the gift. I'm guessing that if the agent ever wants to back out of the deal, the soul eater will eat the agent's soul, yeah? Probably. Were the bodies of the shoemakers or Glovenstein's wives ever found? No, and here's why, probably. After the soul is consumed, the victim's body turns to dust. Is there a way to capture these chili con carnies? Yeah, hold on, it's here. Yeah, here, listen. The soul eater can be captured by tricking it. If it senses danger, it can transform into a mist and disappear through a crack or down a hole in the ground. Something must be placed in that hole or on the other side of the crack to trap it. A glass bottle, for example, or vial may be used, providing a sigil is upon it. Hmm, very interesting. I don't think that last bit made it through the fat in my head. A sigil? What the heck is that? Well, it's a charm or magical symbol. Sally provided a few examples. Here, take a look. Yeah. Whew. Creepy stuff. You know that, Sally? She does good work. Good idea hiring her to do all this legwork. Yeah, and here's another good idea. Let's go over and see if we can catch Mrs. Glovenia alone. And then, see if we can't convince her to... Gentlemen, please. I shouldn't be talking to you. My husband, I don't know how soon he'll be back. He'll be angry if he finds you here. We'll make it quick, Mrs. Glovefinger. We want to help save your life. What? Save your life. And the lives of who knows how many more wives down the road. If you don't help us. I don't know what you're talking about. Mrs. Glovnia, we believe, almost beyond the shadow of a doubt, that your life is in danger from, well, from a supernatural creature. We believe that your husband's previous wives were all killed by this same creature. Mr. Walken, I don't know whether to be frightened or to laugh in your face. A supernatural creature? Like a ghost in a sheet who jumps out and says, Boo? <laughs> How ridiculous. Now, I can explain everything, but let me ask you something first. Have you found any strange containers, like cans or bottles, full of dust among your husband's belongings? Why do you ask me this? <laughs> so you have. Where did you see him? In his trunk, in the theater dressing room. Three big jars. Mason jars. Okay. <laughs> All right. Now we're getting somewheres. Mrs. Glovnia, we must act quickly, and I must tell you all this before your husband returns. Has he spoken about taking you to meet somebody in the near future? Yes. An old friend, he calls him. Uh, someone who has helped him many times over the years with his career. Uh, we're meeting him tonight, after the show. Where? What time? At Lakeside Park, probably around 11 o'clock. I think my Slovomir said uh, by, by the boat dock. That's six hours from now. Okay, Mrs. Glovnia, we'll be there, close by. Let's scoot walking. We got stuff to do. Right. Now, please, ma'am, try to act in the meantime like nothing's wrong. Oh, by the way, is the trunk still in the dressing room? As far as I know, yes. 
But you haven't told me. Thank what you. Does... Goodbye for now. That dame is lying about something. Ah, you'd suspect your own mother a lion. That's because she was one. What do you think it is? I don't know. But even if we do save a life, we're gonna have to keep an eye out for hinky stuff afterwards. Mark my words. Anyway. Anyway, we have a plan. And we have six hours to get ready. Will it be enough? Hey, look at that. Quote the raven, nevermore. That, my friend, is a crow. Huh? Quote the crow, never on a Sunday? My friend, you are being watched. Eh? Watched? By whom? There are two men. They call themselves... Paranormal investigators. Ah, yes. I've met them. They are very annoying. They met with your wife this afternoon. What? Do you know what they talked about? Unfortunately, no. I saw them only when they left your hotel. Be on your guard, Slovomir. Yes. Are your plans in order for this evening? Yes. I've purchased a new mason jar for the occasion. Elena and I will meet you by the boat dock after our performance, and then you can... Yes, yes, yes. I've been feeling quite famished of late. I look forward to meeting your lovely wife in person. <laughs> do we wait? I'm freezing off my legs. Oh, not much, not much longer, my dear. Please be patient. It is cold, Slovomir, and I did not dress for a long wait in such weather. Ah, uh, and now with the black cat. What's next? The evil eye? Good evening. Oh, hello, my friend. See, see, Elena, here he is. We've been waiting for you. I hope I haven't kept you too long. I have been standing here freezing no, my... No, no, of course not. We're just fine. Eh, Elena? Just fine. Yes, we're just fine. I'm very pleased to meet you, Mrs. Glovenier. Well, the pleasure is all mine, I'm sure, sir. I've been telling Elena how much you've helped me over the years. Oh, it was nothing. You ready, Mana? No time like the present. Are you sure this is going to work? You're asking me now? Just be sure to make a lot of noise. Now! <laughs> Here goes nothing! What? What's happening? Now I'm on it. Grab it. Put the stopper in. I'm on it. Got it! Hey! Well, you look at that. Good work, Mana. Gentlemen, what is the meaning of this? You know, walking? I had a feeling he was going to say something trite like that. Mr. Glovnia, we have good news and bad news. What? The good news is, 
You no longer have to deliver your wives to the Soul Eater. And the bad news is, your wife knows that you were planning to feed her to a Soul Eater. What? 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 <laughs> oh, my poor Slovomir. Is he under arrest? Poor Slovomir? Lady, are you crazy? No, ma'am. We don't have that kind of authority. Anyway, we'll believe us. Yes. I'm sure you, as his wife, will have no trouble finding some uh, fitting punishment for him. <laughs> I'm sure. Um, Lieutenant Marner, may I see that bottle? Hmm? What do you think, Walken? I don't see any harm in it, but be careful, Mrs. Glovnia. It's got a deadly creature trapped inside, as I'm sure you know. Plus, there's still mud on it from where it was buried in that snake hole. I'll be careful. Yeah, go ahead, Mana. Ma'am? Thank you. <laughs> what in God's Lady, name? What the heck? Stop her! She's it's, it's swallowing the soul eater. Ah, oh, that was very satisfying. And now, farewell, gentlemen. <laughs> what the Sam Heckin' Hill was that? Just when you think you've seen everything. Huh? This is one for the books, pal. We just saw us a soul eater eater. Huh? She probably knew about Glovenia's shenanigans and married him just to get a chance at the Soul Eater someday. Huh? How's our boy? Huh? Oh, oh. Uh, he's coming too. Come on, boy. Come on, kiddo. <laughs> Snap out of it. Come on. Okay. There we go. Uh, 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 where am I? In a hell of your own making. And about to get worse. Slovomir. 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 Oh, oh, no, no, no. No, it can't be. No, not them. In the name of heaven. Oh, oh yes, 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 yes. Don't you go nowhere, pal. I got gotcha. you. <laughs> Over here, ladies. <laughs> you complained about it, Mana. But aren't you glad now that we brought his trunk along? Yeah. And I was right, wasn't it? That name was a serious lie. Peter Laurie will be back in just a moment for Camel Cigarettes. Each week, the makers of Camel Cigarettes send free camels to servicemen's hospitals from coast to coast. This week, the camels go to veterans' hospitals in Toma, Wisconsin, and Sepulpa, Oklahoma, and to the U.S. Marine Hospital, Carville, Louisiana. By the way, 
more doctors smoke camels than any other cigarette. And now, here is Mr. Peter Lorre. Next week, friends, we're going to meet the curator of a very famous museum. He's about to meet a very famous British Egyptologist who comes there to talk about some old bones. But is he who he claims to be? <laughs> Join us next week and find out. The play is called A Visitor from Egypt. Our sponsor, Camel Cigarettes, hopes you'll tune in, and so do I. <laughs> Next week, Mystery in the Air, starring Mr. Peter Lorre, brings you Frank Belknap's Long's gripping story, A Visitor from Egypt, with a special musical score composed and conducted by Paul Barrett. This is Michael Roy in Hollywood, wishing you all a pleasant good night for camels. Others in tonight's cast were Verna Felton, Lorene Tuttle, Kathy Lewis, Elliot Lewis, and Jack Crucian. Mr. Boris Karloff appeared through the courtesy of Universal International Pictures. Harry Morgan speaking. This is NBC, the national broadcasting company. Ah, it's no mystery. Our show is over. But let's introduce our far-flung cast. Pete Lutz in Texas. Jerry Eliff, also in Texas. Lothar Tuppen in California, Jeff Billard in Massachusetts, Angela Young in Florida, John Bell in Alabama, and Bob Mobont in California. Pete Lutz wrote the script and directed the actors. Larry Groby, <coughs> that's me, handled music, effects, and production. We hope you'll check out past Project Audion Productions, and we really hope you'll like us, subscribe to us, and tell your friends. And so, until next time, thanks for listening. Thank you.